Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Going to get to our interview shortly here with Steve Elkington. I want to do a quick warning before we get going. Uh, We have the explicit iTunes rating. This one episode uh, is extra explicit, so please do not listen to this with children around. Uh, We do try to foster an environment where our guests can come on and be themselves, and uh, Steve Elkington most definitely got very comfortable and uh, was himself on the podcast. Tell some incredible stories. Uh, with quite a few uh, co- quite a few bleeps in there if we were an edited podcast. So we recorded this uh, in the Kill House. He came by during Players' Championship Week. Uh, please do enjoy the podcast, and we do thank Steve for the time. Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. We are making a couple dreams come true here today for, uh, for Big Randy and Uncle Tron. We have with us live in the Kill House, Steve Elkington. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. No worries, mate. The Kill House, uh, what does that mean? It's a homage to Tiger and his uh, his his Navy SEAL training. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Or he he I think the he first was time training he kill his ACL houses. was down down in San Diego or Seal Beach out there, and they would go in with you know firing blanks and everything and train. I didn't know Tiger fired blanks. I thought he was <laughs> I thought he was full full show. <laughs> yeah, he once joked, I guess once or twice jokingly, maybe he always did, refer, referred to it as the kill house. So when we got the house, we we're like, all right, we got to yeah. call it the kill okay, house. Okay, so I got it. My mom doesn't think very highly of that name. So she's like, you know, you have to rechange the name. But Sam was, uh, we were on the range yesterday with Tiger. Got to visit with him for a while. Sam's huge Tiger guy. So we got to talk a little bit yesterday. I don't probably. think I've ever heard you call him Tiger. Big cat. Yeah. I'm the guy. I'm, yeah. I'm the one. You're the, the guy. You, yeah. you are <laughs> for yeah, where sure. Did that come from? Where did that start? Well, it's one of the cartoons we drew. You know, big cat cartoons. I think I got one back to like uh, like '04. It's the first big cartoon we we drew at Secret Golf, and um, he's the big cat man. That's what he is, right? But Sam got his picture with him yesterday. He was even hitting some putts with the red dot. He was over there. Could you ever imagine he'd be playing at this level uh, like three years ago? Which level? Are you at? Is he well, at, right? just yeah. being able to win the tour championship, and yeah, I, I guess just being really, able to swing a golf really, club. We, yeah, we can't really, you can't really pencil that one in as the true, the true thing. You guys got just so excited about that, but <laughs> he beat you know twenty nine guys and eleven Listen, of them. Elk, were, I'm on your side. <laughs> eleven of them already gave up before the last day, so he was what he's played two guys on Sunday. Well, I would getting there was actually even more impressive I think than than uh winning the tournament. I don't agree with that either because no? he's so good that I mean 20, 31 guys can't beat him if he plays 20 times. So that's it's you know, it was all right. He's were getting you, there. Were you surprised at how long he was out kind of with injuries back and forth? You know, you never get the full story from him, right? You never really know what happened to him. No one really knows what happened. Because you had a similar surgery to what he had. I had microdisectomy. Yeah. And it worked like charm. You know, I actually stood up off the, off the operating table and my leg was perfect. I could feel everything. So I talked to him about that yesterday and he said he didn't, he didn't have that success. And then eventually he got it in there, whatever. I think, I, don't, I can't speak for him, but I think he had a couple collapses above. I think that's ultimately what happened by my knowledge of what I was going through. You know, he doesn't. Have, he swings not as good as it used to be. 
you know, and he doesn't hit the fairway all the time either. So uh, it's hard to get too excited because he can't hit the fairway. You know, it's like someone like me, for example, and I'm no comparison to him, but it's hard for me to miss a fairway. I, I mean, it, <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, it's, I'm hard to miss. it's hard for me I'm to miss a fairway. And, you know, I just when can't you do start, anything else. Huh? I just can't do anything else. It's hard for you too? I, I, I hit probably 12 or 13 fairways around and, yeah. I, and I struggle to break 80, which I don't know how that's possible. But <laughs> the iron, the game, iron game is shite. Right? <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. Um, so anyway, his, he's, you know, he's always had a great iron game. Obviously, he hits down on the ball so hard that that's really optimal for hitting iron shots. But, you know, when you're hitting down on it, you know, two, three, four, five degrees with some of the long irons like he does, which gives us the shot, he gives us shots that come into the greens that like no one else has, the big high cut shots. And then you have to swing four degrees up on the driver. It's a long way from the irons, from down four to up. And I know I read somewhere that one of his coaches was trying to get him to be just zero up or just zero. Yeah, just just level coming in with the driver. So, you know, someone like Rory McIlroy, he's up four and from the inside four. You know, I'm up four. So Greg Norman's up four. So all these great drivers were up and um, were able to get that ball to go out and just turn over or not so much turn over but flatten out and stay in, stay in play. What Tiger, you said his swing is not as good as it used to. When was his swing the absolute best? And for there's, what reasons? There's all kind of... Um, theories on you know you know the thing that cracks me up about tiger is all these coaches think they were so so good for tiger you know he got rid of all of them you know they all they all sucked in the end but he was going to 80 wins by himself saying this way with butch Harmon, and he left him because he couldn't do this he was cross the line then he went to hank haney and he got too flat and then you know all these different things he was still winning everything but they all say it was their method that got him there and he was going there anyway one of the things you can't measure on someone like tiger is you can't measure what's inside of him you know, that guy has, talking about the kill house, that guy, you know, he's not even done killing you after he's killed you. You know, he wanted to keep stomping on you and just bury you. And uh, that's what was so intimidating about him, I think, to a lot of players. You know, I, when I got to play with him, luckily enough, I never thought of it that way when I played with the number ones. I've played with so many of them. I used to think of it as a, uh, a lucky break for me because one thing for sure was I was going to see the the best player in action and that way I could really evaluate myself where I am that's one that's number one two all the energy he brings to the foursome or the twosome or whatever it is you, if you play well in that environment if you're a player like me growing you know coming along playing with Jack or whoever if you play good in that environment the payoff that you get to keep that energy that you get from that can last you so long not only that, is when you walk back in the locker room or to the kill house, if I walk back in here and I shot 68 playing with Tiger, now I'm the legend here, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. You're like, oh, I can't, believe, I can't imagine you shot 68 with Tiger. <laughs> so there's some real residual things that these other young guys aren't thinking about. They're worried about if Tiger's looking at their swing or they're worried about if he thinks their this slacks look good or his white pants has a stain on it, whatever. You know? How disappointing, by the way, is the fashion in golf right now? Oh, that's kind of TC's block right there. Yeah. Well, Kurt, your your uh, fellow Aussie, I think Curtis Luck is bringing bringing back some good fashion. Is he? He is. He is. He's uh, Callaway Japan is providing him with his stuff, and it's it's fire. Is What's it? the best yeah. golf fashion in your mind? Your best. Era? Well, back in the day, you know, all these guys had all their clothes made. You know, we all, we Raymond Floyd took me to L.A. and we would go and see this 
these custom designers and we'd have all this you know this stuff hand, oh, everything was made you know i remember we were looking we were there one time in this mexican joint and uh raymond's getting these pants made without any pockets in the back you know he's telling this mexican guy hey man i need it a little tighter back here they, they the girls need to see some more ass of mine back here. <laughs> i'm like we're nowhere near that today right no. guys out there wearing shorts i mean you can't tell the caddy from the player a quick break to talk to you guys a bit about one of our favorite apparel brands, Travis Matthew. Uh, if you guys have seen any of our videos, you are obviously aware that we rock them on a, a near daily basis, especially with summer coming up. I wear their shorts pretty much every day. And Travis Matthew is the creator of high quality men's apparel and makes a full line of gear to get you from the course to the office and into the weekend. So special with this podcast episode, we have a promo code NLU20 to get 20% off your next purchase at travismatthew.com. Again, that's promo code NLU20 to receive 20% off your order. Check out the latest styles with board shorts, jeans, button-ups, outerwear, belts, socks, sandals, shoes, polos. It reminds me I need to get a new order in there as well. So thank you again to the Travis Matthew guys for setting this up, and let's get back to our podcast with Steve Elkington. What was the first time you ever saw Tiger? Um... I think when he was an amateur playing in Riviera, when uh, he got in as a sponsor exemption and that great line by Sandy Lyle, he was the number one player in the world or whatever at that point. The Tiger Woods was like 14 or 15. He was playing at Riviera and Sandy Lyle had just won the Masters and um, they said, uh, what do you think about Tiger Woods? And Sandy Lyle said, I've never played that course. That, that was one of the great lines. <laughs> I remember right? hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> so you've played at Riviera too then? Yeah, Riviera is one of my spots. <laughs> so I we're gonna I want to talk about the ninety five PGA, but I want to know kind of when you thought you won seventeen times in the nineties alone. Yeah, it was pretty good stretch yeah. for the nineties. Yeah. yeah, I think it's pretty good. When was your game at the absolute peak, and why did it reach that peak at that time? It was probably right here in ninety seven was where it was the best, best. The, the, the most complete week I ever played was here in 97. And you boat raced everybody? Yeah, I, won, I, won, I, went from, I went from wire to wire, and I just won Doral. And um, Arnold Palmer called me after Doral and said, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week at Bay Hill, aren't I? And I said, yes, you are, because I'd always skip Bay Hill because I couldn't play the course. Because to me, it was like, no matter what I did, I was, gonna, I was shooting 75. All the Bay Hill holes seemed like they had a dog leg. And I was either, I wasn't long enough to go over the dog leg and I was too far back on over here. So I'd shoot 75. So I won Doral, went down there and shot 75, 75. And then I came here and won one by seven. So um, I had every shot in the bag here. I was leading first day, you know, that was cool. Second day, still leading. Third day, still leading. And it was so much pressure by then, you know, it was you know like suffocating feel and just like oh just just hurry up and get to the tea time you know 2 30 or whatever and um i remember i got to the course like 2 two fifteen, like 10 minutes i'd already practiced like in the kill room type situation you know and the nbc guys are there and they say hey can we get it oh you know we got can we get it i said no mate i'm late i'm late you know how could you be late for 2 30 right? <laughs> so he had like four shots and went to the tee and uh, I was playing with Scott Hoke. And I was a little jumpy, a little bit nervous. But um, he looked at me and he said, um, you know, if I win this tournament today, I'll be exempt on the tour till I'm 50, 10-year exemption. And I looked at him and I said, this tournament has nothing to do with you. 
this is my tournament and I told him to F off. Really? But it, what it did for me, it snapped me back into reality. A competitive like, mindset. Oh, yeah. And I used that. I used, I, I just held onto that little nugget the whole day. And what's really, you know, you don't see this very often, but I'm going to uh, tell you what happens. There's only one bigger ass kicking than you can give the field from wire to wire. And what is that? Come on, you guys are big golf guys. What's bigger <laughs> than winning wire to wire? There's only one thing. God, Birdie in the last hole and you don't need to? I did that. <laughs> no, it's shooting the low round of the oh, day okay. on with Sunday. the lead. Yeah, on the Sunday. Lead. What was your lead going into Sunday? I think it was like three. Okay. No, one by seven. So. One by seven. That's I, mean, I think the most asking. staggering thing to see on that, though, is, is not only that you won by seven, but the fact that like the guys that were T6, T7 were, were like 14, 15 shots back. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a crazy. lap. I told Sam, I took him over to 17. I said, by the time I got to 17, all these you know people, you know, before I get to 17, we we're playing number nine. Gypsy Joe Grillo was catting for me. Big heavy set guy, swings his arm like this, you know, smokes cigarettes on the odd holes and hits the inhaler on the, on the even hole. <laughs> he so he... Uh, he, uh, we're walking down number nine and uh, he's right beside me and there's this guy out in the crowd going, come on Elk, I need you to make a 10. You're killing my deal over here, you know. And Gypsy goes over to the rest. I said, Gypsy, get over, get over. And he's already gone, you know, he's going over there. He says, hey pal, hey you, you in the pink shirt. Hey you, pally. He said, I see you're pretty excited over there. He said, I'm pretty excited over here. He said, how about we come up to the green and see who's the most excited? So he said, I said, Gypsy, what are you doing? So anyway, by the time we got to 17, I get up to 17. I, you know, I still got to hit this shot. And uh, they're putting the people taking trash. I mean, everyone's leaving. It's like this Close elk, up shot. Yeah. Elk, Elks won the tournament. It's not even, I'm like, this is awesome. Are I'm, you still I'm, nervous on 17? With oh, that for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nervous being like, I'm really focused on that shot. Yeah. Because... Honestly, if you think you, if you hit one in, you might hit eight. Mm-hmm. You know, you could just just do two sleeves in there. That's how you feel on the. Our hole. friend Zach Blair did almost two sleeves a did couple of years ago on a random yeah. Friday. <laughs> well, that's the thing about the players. Even when somebody, it's different. I think now in March when it's into the wind, For but sure. uh, even if somebody's got a six shot lead, like it could be one of the greatest collapses ever if you miss that green. Yeah, I told Sam today. I said I don't think there's anyone lost the tournament with like a two-shot lead coming into that hole, like made a seven, six or seven and, and lost the tournament. Has, I don't think that's happened. I know Sean O'Hare was in second and lit himself on fire and hit two that's balls right. in there. and yeah. He cost himself about a million bucks Matisse or something. Matisse had a rough, rough go of it yeah. way back. He didn't even touch grass, did he? It just yeah. zoomed it right over the top, right? Yeah. yeah. That's all that adrenaline, I think. So. Yeah. But you, you agree that this tournament belongs in March? Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. They're going to get <clears> – <throat> they're going to get – pummeled this week over there it's already pretty vicious just playing long and, and it's long it's wind coming lush. out of the golf channels telling me on tv there's no rough and how about phil mickelson he comes up here to play a practice round decide if he's going to play I mean, have strange. you ever heard of that what an asshole <laughs> and then he decides because it's not six inches of rough he's going to play now but he can't i mean come on i talked to some of the guys out there and they're like oh you just you didn't just didn't get enough attention last week you know is that your guy yeah. <laughs> but what, you, okay, so what, what did you think about that? It, it, it's hard to defend. I mean, I, 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 not to excuse it, but I, I feel like he's done a number of things throughout his career that are just head scratchers. So you, I think you just chalk it up it's to like, maybe It's like one performance more of those. art, right? Yeah. I mean, where, where I don't have the perspective, though, is as a fellow 
competitor and, and you know, the, the person who might be first alternate waiting by the phone, do I need to, you know, I, I, I don't have that appreciation for it. So from that standpoint, it's, it's obviously not great. But you had the best nickname ever for, for Phil. Oh, he was hefty. <laughs> Did you come up with that one too? Yeah. Well, talk to me about Phil. Well, I mean, what? No, he's so good for our game. He does such a good job for the tour, but you know. I feel like that's the company line maybe. No, but he's just such a nerd, you know, and he's so, uh, just, he's just not uh, so non-genuine. It's just amazing, you know. And now he's got this new love affair with a couple of the young guys. I think he's cool now, like his grandpa or something, you know. But none of us forget about Phil. I mean, Phil's been an asshole his whole life. Do you see any similarities with, uh, I think, a guy who's taken a lot of heat for maybe being eccentric and, and a little odd and how genuine he's not is eccentric. he? Okay, maybe. He's never had an original thought, I don't think. So okay. I don't know how eccentric Well, where I'm going with this is, what, what do you think about Bryson? Is he- well, now, Bryson, I think, falls more on the category of a sort of a more more mathematical thinker, for sure. Okay. I don't think he's eccentric. I mean, there's a lot of people that like science and math. I mean, I like science and math, too. Eccentric is someone that, you know, rides a tricycle along here in, in, a, in a tuxedo. That's eccentric. These guys are pretty standard yeah. when you think about it. Have you had run-ins with Phil in the past? Do you guys have no, 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 no. Phil's fine. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a great player. He's been a player, great player for 30 years. I mean, he's an amazing player. But just because you um, think that someone's weird or they, you know, you don't like his style, he rubs you the wrong way, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the end or I still have a lot of respect for that guy he's a total hall of famer he's total total pro he just has some you know disingenuous moments and doesn't tell the full truth and like he did when he picked up the putt and all this stuff it's just all bullshit most of it I mean we we see all that stuff that's all it's no big deal I mean Jack we always say well what would Jack do Jack wouldn't do that would Jack do that no okay I believe it's Mr. Nicholas, Randy, to you. Yeah. Randy, Randy's a big Mr. guy. Like, oh, he is? Mr. Nicholas, too. Mr. Palmer, too. you know, Yeah. all that. Mr. Hefty. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he, when, when he, he put that guy in jail, it was, it was Hefty Thefty for a while. Did you, did you, did yeah. you have that one? Mr. Yeah. Hefty Thefty. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't a great I, look. Speaking of another, say, polarizing figure, uh, Bubba. Yeah. Run-ins with Bubba. I know you said on Rome – that you know you and Bubba are straight now well he thinks he's we're straight I think so he, <laughs> he said you know, I think the I line think, was was oh yeah Bubba he's a highly uneducated fucking guy and he knows it like that was one of my favorite lines <laughs> it ever. could be you know he probably is <laughs> but you know on the tablets <laughs> oh yeah ah, I'm on the tablets I've got anger issues <laughs> start that one up what, start that story over and people have seen the highlight clip yeah. of you guys they just love that story you know it's it's had so nothing, good. it actually had nothing to do with me honestly he just snapped I mean how many times have you seen him snap a lot yeah. <laughs> yeah and we were playing uh we were playing this uh with i was playing with shigeki mariyama and i were leading the tournament on the 10th hole a course i designed for the uh, for the pga tour with uh, pete die we're playing the 10th hole we're both eight under bubba's not playing so hot but he hit this drive so far down the fairway now shigeki and i are back here and all the camera crew are all there there's a bunch of people there shooting our shots in there so after we both hit everybody moves you know 12 people move up the fairway and he shouldn't have even been there yet he should have been here but he was already out of position he was up there waiting so everyone walked up and bullet my caddy had the bag on his shoulder and 
hunched it. Just shifted and, it, yeah. And when he did, Bubba snapped and called us, you know, all kinds of shit. And, and so I... Yeah. And fucking, Roger, fucking veterans, man. Fucking, fucking veterans, veterans. Fucking veterans, bastards. And uh, so I went up to him and he wouldn't even turn around. I said, I'm going to fucking talk to you when we get off the green on 18. And Roger Mopey's over there going, I've never seen anything like this. Bubba Watson's an <laughs> asshole. Everyone thinks I'm an asshole about it. But anyway, I, I'm not shaking his hand. I'm not signing his card. And when I walked into the scorer's tent, um, uh, there was security in there. And uh, they said to me, Elk, whatever you do, don't punch him in the, in the, in the, in the scorer's tent. I said, okay, I'm not going to do that. So anyway, I lit him up in the scorer's tent and I told him I was going to kick his ass and he started crying and told me all this stuff. But, you know, to his credit, he did come back to me and say, you know what, I was wrong, blah, 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 whatever. But the great story about that whole thing was we were in the bar later me and Shigeki Mariyama and a bunch of guys, and we were all just having a few beers. And one of the tour officials said, okay, well, uh, you guys need to write this up. What happened? So uh, I says, okay. So, uh, you know, Shigeki uh, says, uh, I, I, write, I, write, I write up, I write letter. So I says, okay, you go off and write a letter and come back, and I'll read it. He said, you, uh, you edit letter for me? I said, yeah, I'll edit for you, mate. No worries. So he leaves for a while and we're having a couple of beers and Shigeki comes back in, you know, real Japanese, real official, you know, half bow. And Mr. Elkie says, I have a letter for you to read, you know. So, okay, I got it. So he says, he's going to, he's writing what happened. He, so it goes something like, me, Elkington son, play uh, 10th hall at uh, golf course and uh, we in tied lead, hit ball. Bubba Watson hit fucking dry way up here. <laughs> and... Elkington son, I hit ball, we move, and then uh, Bubba Watson snaps, say, fuck you, cocksucker, motherfucker, cocksucker. And I said, I'm reading this letter, and I go, you're a super writer. This, this is well done. Really? I said, yeah, mate, this is, you don't have to do anything. There's no editing done here. This is, put this straight in the envelope to the tour. This is perfect. That was the funny part about the story. <laughs> And what became of it after that? Was there? I don't know. I think he probably, he probably got fined or something. You get fined or anything? Nothing. Well, I didn't do anything. Well, you threatened to kick his ass. Well, he needed it. He <laughs> threatened to kick mine. Yeah. So, so on that front, is there? How would you diagnose the way that the tour operates now with regard to, like, like for instance, slow play? Like they don't have any. They, they don't like, have any. Like, slow like there's play no, penalties. there's no enforcement. But, but not only that, there's no enforcement player to player either. Where. Like I yeah. feel like the veterans don't don't call anybody aside and say, "Hey, you you can't do that out here, man." You know that that sort of thing. What happened when when I was on tour when Jack Nicholas was the best player in the world and and all the young guys like me were coming along? <clears throat> the dynamic, the the uh, equilibrium of the tour, the heartbeat of the tour was was set properly, and then when Tiger came along, it flipped. Senior tour came along, and now we had the youngest guy on the tour was the number one player. And all the old guys became obsolete. Um, so the voices became all the young guys. And that's the same problem they have right now. They don't have anyone that has any age. I mean, the stuff that the, I told Duffner the, yesterday, I said, I don't know. I cannot believe the bullshit these guys, the tour let, does to you guys out here. I said, back in the day, Tom Watson would have stood up and said, you know what? Good thinking, but we're not doing that. Sorry. We're doing it this way. Well, what's an example of some, or well, you know, some examples it, it, it of something, that, something that you like, couldn't imagine? 
it could be something as silly as what they're doing this week, which is no past tour players are allowed on the range. I mean, that's, you know, the, all, the, all of us, we built the place. It's your tournament. Yeah, we yeah. built it. Um, you know, so they don't want any other ex-players on the range to walk around. Um, I didn't even know that was a rule. You're supposed to have a special colored deal, but I went out there with Jason Duffner and I was working with him today and um, some of our players, Andrew Landry. So I didn't even know that was a deal, but Buddy Gardner came up to me and said, do you know, you know, that you didn't have the yellow deal that you have to ask for it to, you know, all this. And I'm like, that wouldn't have happened back in the day. So look, if Jack wants to come out on the range yeah. <laughs> and Lee Trevino, if they want to come out, Raymond wants to say hi to me to see how my kids are, they're coming out, okay? Take your yellow fucking thing and go do some origami with it. <laughs> God, That's what reminds, they would have said. You know what that reminds me of? Tommy Smothers and his yo-yo. Yeah, that was bad. Too. Take take it all away. Take it away. Take Tommy your yo-yo. Which take just it all away. shout out to Rome. We're yeah, Rome. <laughs> Randy and I are big clones, so you know a lot of these stories we've heard before. But <laughs> yeah. you're a big Phil guy. I love that. He's <laughs> always been a big. Are you left-handed? No. His name's Phil, though. His, his name's really not Randy. It's Phil. You yeah. got big calves, like Phil? I don't. Yeah. Well, how about those things? I. That's to hold up the upper chest. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's been built over time. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Do you have any, all right, uh, Raymond Floyd, I think, is a guy that kind Vicious. of, he flies under the radar for a lot of our generation because we really didn't, didn't see him play. But, and he, but he's not quite at that level of where you're hearing the stories about him from, you know, like the Mr. Palmer, Mr. Nicholas stuff. But Raymond Floyd sounds like he's just an absolute, freaking legend yeah and Raymond was great I mean he he was an amazing player he won all kind of tournaments he was just just tough you know big gambler you know used to own t used to own titty bars before he got married and uh, so who doesn't like a guy like that I mean that's that was that's what he used to have he had about a dozen titty joints when he first came on tour what's your best Raymond Floyd story you know I played with Raymond we I used to play with Raymond uh, all the time we won the shark shootout together one year and Got to know Raymond and Maria really well and all the kids. And um, we were like maybe a month out from the Masters one year and he comes over to me on the range and he says, what time do you want to play at Augusta? I said, any time. And he said, no, I'm talking about what time do you want to tee off at Augusta this year? And I go, Raymond, what are you, what are you talking about? He goes, what time do you want to tee off on Thursday? Thursday? Don't they have like a draw? He goes, some of us get to pick who we want to play with. What time, I'm gonna, I, what time do you want to play with me? I said, what time do you want to play? <laughs> he goes, I like to play at noon. I said, well, I'm playing at noon with you. So about four years in a row, I played with Raymond at noon at Augusta. It was kind of your wow. own, own pick. Uh, is that information? I don't think I've ever heard that. The, the, is it past champions? That some are do. Some okay. of them get that pick. Okay. Not everyone. Augusta, Augusta has the greatest rules. They have the greatest rules that they can change any rule. It's so good. <laughs> Sam over here is going to Augusta with me every year, and they made a new rule that past champions or, or, PGA, or major champion winners used to be husband, wife, and, and kids. Well, about four or five years ago, they took the kids away. It's just husband and wife. But because Sam goes all the time, the chairman gave Sam his badge and his sister a badge, and that's even carried on to this 
uh, year. They've given Mr. Ridley gave Sam and his sister a badge, so they they just like you don't get extra badges, but this guy gets them over here, or this guy gets to pick who's going to tee off, and this guy doesn't. That's what I like about Augusta. You had some success there in the early part of your career. How different is that golf course now? How different does it play now than it did in the 90s? It's just longer and harder, and I don't think it's, uh, you know. They've sort of tweaked it, right? In the last couple of years, they've got it back. They've sort of took the criticism. Maybe it was a little too, you know, subdued on Sunday, you know, and now they've sort of compromised, if you will. I think the mistake, if they ever made a mistake, which uh, well, they didn't make enough, they didn't make the tees long enough to where they only had one option. If they're going to play it back at 11, it's way back. And then there's no other tee. Mm-hmm. There's I would no have variety day to day. I would have liked to have seen just yeah. a, a longer piece of turf there. Right. You know. No, like 515 option and no 495 option. It's yes. 515 or 515 or 460. Yeah. What, uh, what was your favorite President's Cup team that you ever played on? Oh, it was, it was easy. The one, the, the only one that we, we won, won, right? <laughs> we, uh, we, Greg Norman and I were partners down there. It was one of the great uh, scenes for us because I don't think we lost. We won every match. And we, the, the most interesting match we had was Davis Love and Freddie Couples. Were, they'd won all these World, World Cups together. And we were paired with them. We were paired to play them on a Saturday afternoon in Australia with the pre- President of the United States and the Prime Minister of Australia there. And every friggin' Australian that ever could fit into the grounds playing Freddie and and uh, I think we were 15, 16 under through 15 holes when we beat him three and two or something like that. It was amazing. We just it was one of the great matches. And even Freddie and them come up and said, "Man, that was what a what a what a just what a day." You know, it was just one of those unreal days. How do you view the 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 international team's chances this year going back to Rome? Uh, you know, it's so hard to think about the Presidents Cup. You know. The Americans, whatever they do in the President's Cups, they don't do in the Ryder Cup. But the hardest thing for us is we don't even know half the guys on the team. Yeah, there's different languages. And yeah, I mean, there's not like a common bond. It's between, not like a not like yeah. a fair fight. It's like, hey, uh, your name's Ben Ho. No, it's Ben Who. No, no, what's your name? Ralphert. Oh, you know, you don't know, right? Yeah. Do you know all those guys? I don't. Yeah. See, and you guys know everything. I saw, the name, I saw the name Sean Norris up in the top twelve in the standings, and I, had, I don't know. I don't know Sean Norris. I don't. Need, I did not either. I was like, this is. Yeah. I'm not sure if this if this tournament needs to. It, it, something needs to change with it. I think I'm rooting yeah. for internationals to actually to win it this time around, or else it's. Where are they playing it? Royal Melbourne. Oh, yeah. awesome! Yeah, and they got a South African captain. That makes sense for the tour. That's perfect. Uh, <laughs> what's your proudest moment? Um, of course. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. I did win the Australian Open in 1992, and my my wife was there, my brother, family, mum and dad, and my grandma was there, who never saw me play, so that was cool. And my coach, that was right in Sydney, the Lakes Golf Club, where they just had it this year. Great place. Um, my friend Michael Clayton redid that course. You know Clayton? Clayton's a friend, yeah. friend of the pod, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is he? Yeah. He's, he's the best. Yeah. He is the best. He swears more than anyone I've ever seen. <laughs> did he swear with you guys? I don't know if he did on the podcast. Think, yeah, not on the podcast. Well, as soon as we shut off the mics. Oh, he goes heavy. <laughs> yeah. he's, the, he's the best. Or the worst, whatever. But uh, anyway, that was good. You know, winning some national championships at University of Houston was good. We, Billy Ray Brown and I were roommates. We won three three times there out of four years. And, you know, all the things are 
you know, that I've done on the course have been great for me. You know, really fortunate to be able to do what I've done. But the tour, you know, is going to go on. You know, all these guys, they just they don't realize, I think, that, hey, I did my deal. I've, I've been out there 28 years. The show goes on. Yeah. Jackie Burke leave. told me uh, a long time ago that when that big gallery is on 18, you make a long putt and you walk off that green, that crowd opens up and you walk through it and all those people don't follow you up that hill. They turn back to see the guy coming hmm. from the fairway. Are you at all, I don't know if bitter is the right word, but uh, we were just looking back at your career record and seeing your crazy run like in 95 and your total earnings for that year and then seeing two top 10s maybe in 04 and you made more money in 04. Are you bitter that that most of your success happened in the pre-Tiger era? No. No? No, I kicked his ass here in 97. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you before know. the purses got enormous though that's kind of where no, but you, what the the bitterness that you're not seeing there is jack was in some of those tournaments there that's true he's 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 not he's the goat mm-hmm. have you tried to beat him lately i've tried a lot i can't really i don't really get a lot of access to to, to face him head to head no i'm <laughs> just saying have you tried playing jack and let's throw in tom watson oh yeah let's throw in crenshaw let's throw in raymond let's throw in trevino let's throw in no, I, I meant more from just the purse standpoint. Of it doesn't nah. sound like to you that was of ever a big nah. priority. I never played for the money. Right. No, nah, I mean I won seventeen million dollars or fifteen million dollars, and Jack Nicholas won five. Right. So you know what are you gonna? How can you be? How can you be upset about the money? When I won seven hundred grand here or six eighty here, it was more money than you could have stacked up in in the kill house. <laughs> felt like. What, what do you think of the state of the tour right now? Some of the young guys, do you think golf, uh, PGA Tour specifically, is in a good place? I'm not sure. I think it's, uh, I'm not sure yet. You know, there's there's uh, there's a lot of movement, you know, in a lot of things with the rules are very, you know, you know, very volatile right now. The, the players aren't happy. Um, it seems like the World Golf Championships don't work. Um, you know, you've, You've got a lot of good players. You've got some players that aren't quite sure what they're doing, like Rory, who's so good. And, you know, what's he trying to do? Is he trying to win five more majors? It doesn't look like he is. You know, he's just sort of there. Is he going to be able to play another 15 years? Can he do that? No answers? I think so. find out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, What about Jason Day? Do you think he can play another 20 years? No. Based on his comments, probably not. Just because of injury or passion? Both. Both. Like the, these guys just get comfortable too. They don't yeah. have to. They don't have to grind for another twenty years because there's like, what's the upside? They'd rather. Well, the upside is the around. same upside as everyone. Is that you're trying to chase something that's, that's bigger than you, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I always, I still play golf now, and I still try to be great at my golf, and you know, think of myself as a golfer, and I'm always working on my game. I think Justin Thomas has the right attitude. I thought Spieth did, but now Spieth's getting bogged down with his swing and few other things but i think justin thomas is on like a rocket ship he's the most gifted player out there right now what's your take on speed like what do you what do you think well i think with speed his putting has always been you know a question it's just that he always made everything he's always had all kind of issues look like right Mm -hmm. cross-handed looking at the hole all kind of crazy stuff but the thing that i you know he's got a terrible grip right he's got fingers hanging out everywhere and it looks funky um his backswing position is pretty good to me, very orthodox, but he has this big left arm pull out on the way through, which tells me that he's afraid that thing's going to flip. Now, that tells me that it's coming from before somewhere. 
back here. So he's holding that thing. That's that's not that's not what top players do. They 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 can smash it as hard as they can and cross that left hand over like every great player. So I don't know what he's doing in his swing. I'm not like concerned about it, but I think there's something big time to worry about with that left elbow is what I see. I don't think you can play a block action like that for a long time. How did you become so versed in the golf swing? Who did you learn it from? Or were you kind of always a studier of your own swing with video back before video was Not a really video. No? no, I didn't like video. I was like Peter Thompson said a great line. He said that he was never more disappointed when he saw his swing on camera. You know, I always wanted to change it when I looked at it on the video and I was hitting it great. So I didn't try not to look at it too much, but, uh, uh, Alex Mercer taught me when I was a kid. He's a great teacher, still alive in Australia. He was a pro at Royal Sydney Golf Club, great coach. Still my coach, really, today. And then I was a, um, I studied the golf machine like Bryson through Ben Doyle for 10 years and uh, just did it out of boredom on the tour. And so I, I look at it like a diagnostic tool. I don't really sort of uh, preach the golf machine like some, some idiots do when they think they learn it. But I look at it, you know, like Bryson actually plays a pretty standard procedure they would call it he lines up with the shaft right on his shoulder on his shoulder plane he cut all these clubs the same length so they all feel the same and he sets up on the same plane not not more of an elbow plane like like we do i just did it out of boredom and then so then i was you know i always watched all the good swings i learned empirically so i would watch i could watch weisskopf or jack and it would reiterate to me that yeah, that's that's what I want right there. And I would go copy that move a little bit. I think I did more empirical learning than I did so much by looking at a video. Going back to the tour, as far as the just, it seems like there's a lot less characters and a lot less personality out there. What These about days, Bubba? Everything's a little what about bit Bubba? He snaps. and sterile. He snaps. I need more Bubbas, right? Yeah. I feel like Bryson's a great character. I think he is. I think he has a certain, uh, you know, he's not for me, but I, I, I do certainly... Uh, I get more entertainment out of listening to others talk about Bryson than what I think about Bryson. Uh, you know, I can, there's appreciation for Bryson. Uh, he's obviously a smart guy, and he's. I think he plays well into the uh, environment of like we saw him today. He's got like six guys out there. He's got a camera Swap, down near the yeah. ball. The coolest thing he's got is he's got one of those limit pegs with it with a little piece of steel on it that he can just wipe his club off with a steel brush. I mean, that's that's cutting edge right there. <laughs> You ever seen that? It's like this with a brush on it. So he hits a shot and comes over and goes. <laughs> cleans it off. Yeah, cleans it off. Got about eight guys there. He's squirting the ball with a spritzer. The, uh, that guy is my favorite, his yeah. do guy. S- do guy, spritzer guy. Yeah. yeah. He's got to get one of those 50 old spritzer bottles. It's just from way off. <laughs> that guy, that's what we need. Not he, he's, he's just pouring it on. Now we got to do the... <laughs> what's your take on track man i think it's i think it's a usable piece of equipment i've used it to hit the driver i think it's the best piece of equipment for the driver you know i went on there one time to hit my irons and um i went to the what the tour average was for uh angle of descent on the tour irons and so i then tried to see what mine were and mine weren't anywhere near it so it screwed me up so i got off it i mean who has their irons better than me i mean maybe maybe they need a new model on the track man maybe they're two down mine are a lot less do you do you think guys and, and 
Apologies if this is a uh, nothing a, offends an, me. An ignorant question. Nothing, nothing offends me. Do guys own and know their swing as much today as in your era, or even going back? I mean, who who would be from guys you've seen out there uh, currently playing? Who could have competed uh, 40, 50 years ago, or even you know twenty, twenty five years ago? Well, Justin Thomas would be one. Bubba, Bubba's friggin' crazy. Uh, shots crazy hands you know he's got one of the most uh gifted games i mean that guy's like steph curry it's just weird you know it's like you'll hit it he's just wrapped in with some other weirdo that's wrapped in with him some cartoon character that's upside you know what i mean <laughs> imagine if that was uh Weisskopf with that you know with that move or something i mean he'd they'd line up you know to watch that who in in real life is like the most different than how they're port like in real life they're div- way different than how they're portrayed either in media or on TV. Duff Duffner, Duff's smart. Mm-hmm. He's clever. He's engaging. He's super. But on the tour, you think he's some fat guy with a dip in that doesn't know anything about anything. He's smart as hell. I say I feel, I feel like he doesn't mind that though. I feel like he doesn't mind that people think that about him. He doesn't care about anything. Yeah, which is great. Actually, he cares about everything, but he doesn't care what you think about him. Mm-hmm. Not you, but yeah. I mean, we have a saying on the tour that if you don't know me, I don't care what you think of me. I couldn't care less. You don't even know me. So we get people say, well, what's that guy like? Is he a good guy? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Are you a good guy? How do you, how, are you a good guy? Are you? You look like you're all right. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm not a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you asking me if uh, that guy's a good guy? Is Phil a good guy? Well, who, yeah, who knows? Who cares? Who right? cares? Yeah. All right. Yeah. My mom, my shout yeah, out my to my mom. mom. My yeah, mom always out. asks me, well, is, is he a good guy or is he, you know. So, Elk, you fall out on the, on the, with the Charles Barkley, I'm not a role model thing. Like, hey, oh, no, I think know. I am. I am for sure. I'm, I'm friendly, man. I like to help kids. I do everything. I mean, I would rather play golf than eat, to be honest with you. Which of the, of the, Aussie bunch do you most identify with the guys on tour right now um I'd say Adam Scott would be uh he would be the best Aussie player was Leishman's one of my guys yeah he's on secret golf team and uh he's probably the most up-and-coming guy out there Leishman I think he's as good a player as anyone gets very little coverage which is fine I think with Leish you don't care and um just plays good all the time, you know, leash. What's your, what's your read on Jason Day? I spoke with Jason yesterday. He's just, you know, you know, he's been in, he's so young, you know, he's feels like he's got the like spotlight. Either it's been on him too much. Like he's been, been burnt by it or something where he's sort of falls into that category of if he doesn't, everything's not perfect. He just can't play. Mm-hmm. And I like him a lot. Um, it's like, oh, my back or my hip. Well, we'll just take eight Advil instead of four and go because I gar- you know, we're gonna, I guarantee if I don't play, I'm guaranteed zero. So I might as well play a little hurt. <laughs> I might just luck it out and make five grand. Who knows? The players don't quite think that way nowadays. If they, got, you know, if they didn't cut their fingernails, they can't play. What do Australians, for the most part, or you uh, think of Greg Norman? Well, I'm really close to Greg, mm-hmm. so I've been one of his oldest friends. I've been to, I think I've been to all eight of his weddings. It's been great. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, 
no, the Sharks, uh, he's been a, you know, I think, I think the way, I don't know how you position the question, but I think one of the things we learned about the Shark is he gave us all this image that there was more to golf uh, if he wanted to do it. He was able to launch himself into different things. He was the first guy. He was before Oprah when she was into wine, you know, his own wine label. He was into clothing. He was into course design. That was He followed Jack and those guys. So he went into other things, and I, I've always said this about him. He's like he's always showed us what's possible on the widening of your scope. He's kind of mean. He's really fun. He's been he's so um, he's so generous to his friends. I mean, he's been so good to our family. We go everywhere, and we've been all over the world with him, and hunted and fished, and gone on his yachts. And you know, I'm really close to both his kids. Great kids, you know. So he's great. His Instagram account, like, is just as yeah. It's gone into like some weirdo, like uh, it's like an Instagram model or something. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like a middle-aged Instagram what, model. What are we doing here? Shirtless poses. Yeah, I mean, and all yeah, he's of... having a midlife crisis. That's, that's what I can't quite get past. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's too much for me. Record. I think I blocked him on that. I think I did. <laughs> Wasn't he like taking his shirt off and there was yeah. some two elk having sex over? The... <laughs> and, yeah. and he was I... trying to film it. And it was his ho- I think the horses were breeding or something. Yeah, yeah, and he had like cream on his hand or something. <laughs> or, or, what what was that? <laughs> what uh, what's your favorite Monty story? Oh, Monty's amazing. It took us. It took us you know this is. You, like, I've been trying it, to. It wait. took us yeah. everything not to lead with yeah. this. I couldn't believe yeah. you guys hadn't gotten there. I'm like, we're yeah, yeah, forty. You know, like I couldn't get there. You knew the story. <laughs> Monty's uh, Monty. You know, you guys. Do you, do you know that he went to Houston Baptist University? No. Do you, you even, are, I did do you not, even know that? Is uh-huh. Monty like misunderstood? Oh just, yeah, Monty's the greatest. Yeah, he's just. Oh, well, a, we, we, I mean, we we I, love him, but genuinely, we partly yeah, love him because I, he's, he's the greatest. So much flack over the Monty years. Monty yes. is the greatest. Uh, he's just he just gets himself in more trouble than you know. But you know, when I won the PGA, of course, he went. So okay, so he went. So, so we have history, right? He went to Houston Baptist University, which okay? I didn't even know that was a yeah a place or a thing and there's a guy named tim thielen you know who he is he's like the pga club pro champion he was on monty's team so monty was like the second best player on the team at the time and i was at university houston we were winning everything and we were playing it monty was on working the range at lockenbar golf club and i said what are you doing what are you doing over here fat tits what are you doing here (laughs) and uh he said, oh, he says, I'm going back to England next week. I'm going to apply for a job at IMG. I said, well, why the fuck would you do that? That's the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. Well, you know, I can't really play. I'm not very good. And I said, well, let me tell you something, Monty. You're fucking really good. Oh, really? You think I'm that good? I said, I think here's what I think you should do. Mate, you should go back to England and you should try for the tour school. And then if you don't get in that then go work for IMG how's that for a fucking idea Monty <laughs> uh, really you think I could do that I said yeah I think you could so he does and you know seven whatever he's won later won all that so when I beat him at the PGA in 95 as you could imagine the next day for me was you know the next week was a you know a lot of going on right but I and, and this is well known that I, I stopped everything and wrote a letter to Monty and said that, you know, I 
congratulating him on how good he played at the PGA because basically our stats were the same and I, I, I beat him by one putt to win a major and I know he wanted it as, mu- as much as I wanted mine. I just wanted him to know that I was thinking about him on that day, this day, that I was winning and it could have easily been him. So I wrote that to him. So that we've got to put that in the file. Okay. So then we went over to play the world match play and he, we both get through two or three rounds and now I'm going to play with Monty in the semis, right? And the, and the press over there. Where is was like, this? Is it Wentworth. Okay. Yeah. It's, a, it's the biggest, stuffiest club. Talk about a bunch of fucking racists. Those English people over there, they don't even let you in. They, you wouldn't get in with that facial hair, lad. That facial hair's got to go. You can't be in here like that. <laughs> they won't even let you in the clubhouse with trainers on. What the fuck's a trainer? <laughs> Are you talking about tennis shoes? Oh, you can't come in in here with those. Okay, whatever. So... Um, so we're going to play the semi-final match, and it's a 36-hole match. And the press is it's it's a rematch of Elkington versus Monty of the PGA. Blah 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 blah. Bullshit. All this bullshit. So it's 36 holes. So one day. One day. So uh, we go out, and I told my wife, I said, "Look, this fat son of a bitch is going to be out for me today. I'm going to have to play my ass off to beat him." And I think I shot about seven under in the morning to be one up on this guy. I mean, this guy can play. He hits it so straight. I mean, it's hard to beat. So we go into this big, you know, clubhouse and uh, where the players only, and they've got this huge buffet down the middle of the club, and Bonty's over there at this huge table looking out over the gardens and the fucking observatory, and he's got about four or five royal royal palace people there and and the captain from Muirfield and the captain there. from Muirfield was there <laughs> is it drafty in here to you <laughs> anyway so out in the middle out in the middle of the uh of the uh buffet is this custard castle the the clubhouse at Mew, at at Wentworth is a castle it's a fucking castle it's got all those little you know squares at the top you know and uh it's custard it's fucking magnificent it's it's uh, it's unreal so anyway i'm sitting over there having like a cheese sandwich because i can't i can't eat when i'm playing i can't eat much can you i don't worry don't answer that you've never never played a 30 you've never played a 36 hole match with the the wrong people here (laughs) (laughs) so anyway so we're gonna go back out in like 30 minutes so monty gets up he goes over to the table he's already had lunch by the way grabs a dinner plate, goes over to this custard castle with his big fork, and he fucking takes out the whole ladies' locker room. He takes out the pro shop, the fucking upper deck on the back observatory, and puts it all under his plate. I couldn't fucking, I couldn't believe that he's just done I said, he's going to feed the whole table. He's going to take 12 spoons over there and put this out in the middle. They just destroyed it. Nope. Nope, he sat at the end of the table and he fucking ate it all. I turned to my wife and I said, honey, there's not a man alive that can eat that much custard that can beat me. So how'd the afternoon go? Oh, I rolled him like five and four. He, 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 he couldn't go in the afternoon. Oh, I think that's my favorite. I'm fascinated. I guess he, uh, he drives from national park to national park like when he's on the road with the champions tour his 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 hobby is really to Disney. drive around and to go to u.s national parks he loves it really <laughs> what do they see there <laughs> <laughs> fucking bears 
kangaroos. <laughs> oh, yes, Monty's great. So I was at San Antonio, side story, uh, playing in the Champions Tour, which I hated. I didn't really like it. It didn't do nothing for me. Uh, playing in carts and fucking short. I mean, it was terrible. Anyway, it's good for some. Anyway, I'm, I'm in San Antonio. I have to go out to my golf cart. I mean, I'm in my golf cart. I'm going to go out to my car in the parking lot. And I see Monty. He's got the hatchback up on his car. And he's sitting there eating something. So I, I drove around this way, and I'm going to come back around so I can point right at him. And as I, as I come around the corner, I see him doing something with, <laughs> with, the, with his left hand. So I just ease up real slow, and I go, How you doing, Colin? Oh, hey, you elk, how are you? <laughs> and I just I let my golf cart ease down the hill just a little bit further so I could see what was behind him. He had fucking four big Mac boxes back there. <laughs> I said, there's no nourishment out on the course, is there? There's no food on the course for us. He goes, oh, I thought the same thing, Monty. You <laughs> <laughs> fucking ate four fucking ham, four, four big Macs. Who can eat four Big Macs? You tell me. Tell me. All right. So Monty. Tell us about your... Dive a little bit deeper on that Champions Tour. It was just it just wasn't for you. It just... Oh, it's great for a lot of guys. You know, it's a great opportunity. Here's the thing about the Champions Tour. It is, an, it's, it, it is built for, for guys that want to, uh, when they finish with this tour, they don't have to go home and they don't have to take their retirement plan. They can go out there. They can extend their retirement plan. I just didn't really... And look, guys like Bernard Langer, awesome. I just don't have that much uh, want as he does. Mm -hmm. I still like to play, do everything, but I can't do the travel, man. I spent almost all my life away from my family in Australia. I'm not doing it here. Can't do it. How do you split your time uh, between? I, I just work Houston with Singapore. Australia. Uh, no, once a year. Once, once a, year? a year. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I'd rather be around the house and work on some of the projects I'm doing at Secret Golf and all the stuff I got going, which is great. We, I got 31 tour players that are on our, on our platforms. That's great. But, so t 2012 was your last tour? Last tour, yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know which was my last tour event. You're not a very sentimental guy in that No, regard. not like that of, at all. No. Were you, were you thinking, hey, this is the end and I want to try something new? Did you get an itch to, no. to kind of move on or was it just no. was it injury related? What, no. None of that. It was just the best way to leave. If if you're not leaving, or is I don't know if I'm leaving, but I'm I'm not here. You don't you just don't talk about it. Just you just don't show up. Yeah. I don't need to tell anybody I'm doing anything. You know, all these guys make this announcement that they're retired or whatever. I'm not doing that. It's not happening. Twenty was it? Twenty ten? Is that the player? Or the uh, PGA? I, could, I should have won the PGA when I was 48. I know. That, yeah. That was awesome. So take us to that week. What, oh, what, uh, mate, that was a great week. Uh, well, I played with Tiger on Saturday. It was one of the great, great things ever, you know, playing with him on Saturday. We, it was a rain delay or something, and then we repaired, and now I'm playing with Big Cat on Saturday, and I saw him on the range. I said, fuck, I got you after all this. You're lucky enough to play with me. <laughs> he goes, fuck you. <laughs> So we play, and, he, and he's not playing. He's playing terrible. And um, I think I shoot 66. Tiger shoots like 74. I mean, I fucking smoke the guys. Kind of, you know, uh, that's kind of a joke. But uh, we get to the 17th hole, uh, the real nasty green there, you know, and the pin's front right that day. And 
I hit this really nice shot in, hit on this hump and disappeared over the hump and the crowd went pretty pretty loud and went over into the fringe, you know, 10 feet away. And then he hits his shot, lands right on the hump, goes, disappears, and they go really wild. And um, we're walking up there and we're both going to repair our plug mark right on this little hump there. They're only inch apart, our plug marks. And his ball's like this, like an inch away, and mine's in 10 feet. I go, we're, we're down, we're bending over, repairing the plug mark. I said, you're the luckiest fucking guy I've ever seen in my life. I look at my, my ball hit right here, and it's over there in the fringe. Your ball hit, it went, went by the hole. He goes, yeah, I'm really lucky. He said, you beat me by eight shots today. I'm really fucking lucky. He says. <laughs> but he, uh, so uh, when we were signing our cards, he's always signed stuff for Sam. And uh, he, said, he said to me, he said, he said no, one, no one's going to beat you in this tournament. You, you, you get to kick their ass tomorrow. So it was great. Gave me so much energy. Gave me a little goosebumps right yeah, there. Okay, I liked cool. it. And uh, I didn't get it, but I should have got it that next day. I had a couple of bad breaks. Had you been playing a lot? Like, had, had you been trending, or was there something there? Or no, did I was just, you just summon something? I just, I just, I'm just good. You're just bad at it. Just good. Just good. <laughs> Who did you know, play with on Sunday? Huh? Who did you play with on Sunday there? I played with, uh, can't remember. Can't remember. Don't know. Hmm. Was DJ in a bunker? <sighs> yeah, oh yeah. I saw it. And we were, my wife and I were standing in the locker room. I go, this is going to be some bunker shot. I said that out loud in the locker room. I was a big screen in the locker room. Honestly, I can't believe I can't remember who I played with. I always remember who I played with. You probably ought to find that. Hmm. Anyway. What's Tiger? I mean, you, it sounds like you and Tiger had a good rapport. And like, Does he know that you gave him the big cat nickname? And what's he like? Is I, don't he, know if he gave, I don't know if he knows that. He should. I should get some royalties for that somewhere. <laughs> I gave, also gave Shark Tiburon, Tiburon that, that nickname. The shock in Spanish. But, uh, you know, I remember when Tiger first came on tour, I remember a story. We were playing at Castle Pines together and hit the shot. We were on the sixth hole going up a hill and we're both next to one another, one another in the fairway. And uh, the second shot was up a hill and uh, the ball was going to spin a lot. And uh, he hit the sand wedge up there, and the crowd goes crazy. But then here comes the ball back down off the green, down in the bunker. And then I hit my shot, and it skips up there, and the crowd goes loud. It was close to the pin. He goes, looks back at me, goes, what did you hit? I don't even know him, really, you know. What did you hit? And I said, I just hit a little chip nine iron. He goes, I don't have that shot, and walked off. So like a month later... Somewhere we're on tour, and he's on the range. He goes, "Hey, hey, Elkington, come here." So I come over, and I knew I knew what he was doing. He had the nine iron out, and he was hitting these little soft shots up this on this range. And he goes, "Watch this," and uh, he hits a shot, and I go, "What am What am I looking at? What am I looking at?" I know, but I'm not letting him know. I know that shot. Is that it? No, it's not it. And I just walked off. <laughs> You were going to give him one more shot. Yeah. So he he was he used to you know he was a really poor bunker player when he first came out. So he was really working on his bunker game, and you know the guy all credit to him. He would go find he'd have a shot. He wanted to he wanted to get a shot, and he he fixed it fixed everything. But he already had all he had he had already had all the stuff in there. I've got your final round uh, playing partner at the 2010 PGA, Zach Johnson. Really? Mm-hmm. No you were tied way. with Duff, Furick, and ZJ. After round three, 
Do you know the story though on 70 71st hole where that pin was all the way back in that back? Did you guys see that where I knocked it over the back, went yeah. down over the wood? How good was that shot? <laughs> that was unlucky. And Pete died when I walked off on 18. He looked at me and he said, Elk, if I could have made that green a foot longer for you, I would have done it. He said to me, Pete really? did. Yeah. What you was make, your what relationship you make? with Pete Dye? Like after huh? doing, this is this is after you'd done the course with him in New Orleans. Yeah, I knew him pretty yeah. well then. You know, how'd you get matched up with him to do that course? It was a tour place? deal. Here's how sensible the tour is, right? So they were going to do a building course in New Orleans. They picked me to do it with Pete Dye. They did a course in Houston. They took Reese Reese Jones and took David Toms from Louisiana <laughs> to do that one. That's the tour. Uh, I'll tell you a story on Pete Dye. We, we went down to uh, one of the projects that the building the course at TPC was a, the assignment that day was I was going to go in, in there early and I was going to look at the back nine and Pete was going to do the front nine and we were going to meet at lunchtime and converge notes and see what we had to do. My job was to keep the integrity of the shot pattern for, for, for tour players, make sure it didn't get, you know, like, well, that doesn't make any sense or... I wasn't really designing too much, although I, 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 I can do it. But at any rate, so we met and uh, at lunchtime and he said, well, what do you think about the back? And I said, well, there's one problem on number 17. He said, okay, let's go. So we walk out to 17, all these tour guys are out there with us, all the tour suits. And the part three, number 17, was a, a shot across water and the, and the green was, was set right to left. And uh, the prevailing wind was from the right and there was a lake there. And the way they had the green, the way they had the green set, you just couldn't stop your ball in there. He said, "What's the problem here?" I said, "Can't hit from here. Ball won't stop. Prevailing winds here. It's not going to work." He goes, "Okay, let me look at this." So he walks down the fairway, where the fairway was. It was just all dirt around the lake, and he stood there for about twenty minutes. And uh, he came back to the tee, and he goes, "Mr. Elkinson's right." We have to move the lake. That's what he said. <laughs> so all the tour guys are like, what? We're going to move the lake? Move the lake, guys. We're going to move it 25 yards over there. And they moved the lake 25 yards. Yeah. Wow. So that was Pete. He was amazing. Uh, what, he was uh, like how, how radically different was Riviera playing in August for the PGA versus, versus February for... It was probably a little tournament. easier. It was probably a little drier. The advantage I had at Riviera was it was off Kaikuya fairways, Kaikuya grass, and that's a real matte grass, real thick grass from Australia. And we all learned to sweep the ball. We didn't really take divots when growing up as kids. We would sweep it off the top of uh, Kaikuya. Guys had a hell of a time at Kaikuya. They hit it too high on the face, and it goes nowhere. They stub it. Just all kind of issues with their chipping at, on Riviera. Just nightmare. But that's the only grass we had in, in Australia. I'm from Wagga Wagga. It's all Kaikuya. Try to say that <laughs> with Kaikuya. Say that. I've never heard it called Kaikuya. Kaikuya. Kaikuya on the Well, we say, we say Kaikuya. 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 <laughs> say Wagga Wagga Kaikuya. Anyway, so <clears throat> I always felt like I had an advantage there. And, and, you know, I had just almost won the British Open that year. I was in that, almost in that playoff with John Daly and them. I spent like a week after the British Open, and I knew that I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't win a major. Uh, after I kind of I kind of choked at the St Andrews event, couldn't get my putter, to, couldn't get it to the hole on the back nine. If you ever see that video, I, I had it all right there. I kind of let it all didn't didn't work out for me. Is that the biggest regret of your career? That that uh, one? 
I would have hit it harder if I could have. Yeah. <laughs> it just it just didn't it wouldn't come off the. Putter. But just like that that tournament. No, I should have won the British Open at uh, Muirfield in two in two. Uh, the they the the British Open committee kind of choked and put us into two twos in the playoff instead of a foursome. Yeah. Oh, I and remember the, that. And the guys wouldn't tee off until we Who finished. Else was in that? Levey, Levey, uh, Appleby, and Els. Okay, yeah. And Ernie, you know, my friend, he was on the rails. You know, he was ahead, and then he came back, and I was already in. And if I could have played with him, man, I could have put some pressure on him. He would have. I reckon he would have folded like gone. I reckon the other and the other two guys. I reckon they would have fainted. So. I was wanting to have four, but they just said we're gonna play. We're gonna play two twos. Monty said so. Monty, <laughs> Monty, Monty, dad said Monty, so. Monty declared that we're gonna play two twos. <laughs> uh, last couple, and then we'll let you get out of here. But uh, what, what's your game like these days? How often do you play? Is it good? Yeah, I play all the time. Good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I hit the ball essentially pretty much the same. Sam will tell you that. Uh, you know, I like to I like to hit a, I like to hit it good. I like to I, I always go practice my game about two three hours in the morning every morning. So every morning, wow. Yeah, go over there and. Do you still love the game? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I die for golf. Huh. Who's, the, who's the most underrated player you ever played with? Underrated? Like a tour player? Yeah. Or really anybody, I mean. Uh, I have to think about that. Let's go with another question. I might come back uh, to it. Least favorite tour stop? Least favorite? <sighs> you know, there's a few on that, but some of them are quirky in their way. They don't play some of the tour stops uh, – they used to be the BC Open. You ever been to ever been to Indicott, Indicott New York? Or, I have actually. Yeah, yes, yeah. it's pretty garbage. <laughs> but uh, what about? Um, have you ever been to the? Uh, you ever been to um, the tournament they used to have in Boston? Boston's pretty gnarly too. In the out in the country. Uh, yeah, BC Open was pretty average. Indicott, but I went there for the cartoon guy, the guy that did the BC tunes. That was cool. Tour is a tour, you know. After a while, it all becomes a bit of a blur, yeah. you know. Uh, favorite tour stop? Well, Pebble Beach. Yeah. Yeah, Pebble Beach. Except for Tommy Smothers. Tommy Smothers. <laughs> what a fucking jack-off. <laughs> what? He's up on the green. See where that all came from. See, the, this, you get a chance to hear the backstory. So Tiger Woods is standing in the fairway on... What year is this? I don't know. It's like maybe it's before Tiger went berserko. That might have been... 98, 97, 97. Yeah. it was after he won the Masters, okay. full on Tiger Mania. And um, he hits his drive on 18 over there level with the tree, on the, you know, the tree's in the middle of the fairway, and he's in the right rough there, maybe in the first cut. Remember that old um, Tyler Threewood PT-13? He had one of those, so we all had one, right? So uh, Steel shaft. Steel shaft, yeah. just fucking nasty. And uh, I'm in the scorer's tent has gone to my card because I was like two groups ahead and I'm looking back and I'm thinking dude is back there swinging his uh, three wood like he's going to take a shot at this pin and he's just he's just making these soft practice swings waiting for this fucking jack off on the green who's doing walk the dog <laughs> he's doing so he's, he's, got, he's, got his he's out on the out green there. he's doing this shit and everybody's not really looking at him they're looking back here because Big Cat's back there just making practice swings, and now he's doing fucking this flying saucer and through the, the snap the monkey, hump the monkey, whatever it is. And they're like, get off. Get off the green, you idiot. <laughs> Finally, they get him off, and Big Cat takes a swipe. At the, uh, I'm looking at him like he can't get there. 
it's too far. It's cold. It's nasty. Buggy. Yeah. And he fucking goes. And this thing is in the air forever. And that thing, I don't know if you remember the shot, just, just fucking goes splat right next to the flag, like eight feet left of the flag, 290 in the air from the, the wet conditions. And it was just like, what the, What was that? You know, that was a cat. And Well, so then, so after that, was, well, so, was the whole party? Well, so Clay, Wa- Clay Walker and I, the country singer, we would go and do this big party every year for the volunteers i would get up and do a deal like what i'm doing right here tell stories and he would do a country and western sing song deal it was awesome the it's it's grown into the biggest thing ever yeah we bought glenn fry in there we bought uh, huey lewis in there we bought the guy with the trumpet what's his name no with the sax kenny g kenny g yeah he was in there but then one year we have this fucking clown tommy smothers and he comes in there and he's shit-faced who and is Tommy Smothers? Yeah, that? yeah, he's yeah. You know the deal. He, you know, no, he's the guy. I don't. He's asking, I, oh, he, he doesn't know. He yeah. doesn't know. He, that's what I said. Yeah. He, he had some little show. <laughs> he had a show with his brother, and they did yo-yo tricks. <laughs> and, anyway, so that's where that that that's where that came from. And so he gets up and he's, he gets he's, up and he's telling crazy jokes and he's swearing and fucking like wasn't funny. They didn't want to hear from Tommy Smothers and they wanted to hear more from me and Clay and Huey Lewis and. He was getting a little chapped about the deal, and you know. So wait, sorry, I don't know the original story. He was out there doing yo-yo tricks on the green. That's what he's no, at the party. He, he was, well, yeah, yeah. At, yeah. At, that's on the, that's where it started. On that was what he. And then that night we were doing a volunteers party, and he was there. Oh, yeah. And I'd had enough of the fucking yo-yo deal. <laughs> get off! But he thought he was a star, so he wanted to stay. We couldn't get him off. And there's and there's a bunch of kids there and everything. Oh, and yeah. He's dropping f bombs. Yeah, he's dropping the f bombs. <laughs> It's, who was a who was the guy you I don't want to say hated the most on tour but disliked the most? Disliked the most. Give me an example. Who, I don't know. Just maybe somebody who, like I want to beat that guy so bad because he gets on my nerves. Like I, I don't want to deal with this guy. Oh, there's plenty of guys get on your nerves, but you know you, you're a pro. You got to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some guys that are hard to beat. You know, Phil Mickelson's a guy. He's hard to beat. You know, Trevino. <laughs> Try playing Trevino. Trevino's gonna put shit on you, and if these guys ever play with Trevino, he would chop them up. Really? He'd walk. Oh, he, Trevino walked past you on the range. You go. <laughs> <laughs> That's your deal. <laughs> That's your deal. <laughs> That's your deal. <laughs> oh yeah, he'd kill, he'd kill you. These guys. And would he talk the whole round too? Just, he'd be just, talking. Just get in your head. He'd say, you know, I hit that. So. Trevino would say something like, "To be get on a narrow hole," and he's great. We love, lovely. See him at the Father Son, and uh, the fifth hole at Colonial around the corner is the hardest driving hole on tour. He gets up there and he's a slide around there, and he'd go over to uh, Herman Mitchell, his caddy, big fat guy. He'd say, "Man, I can't believe how hard this shot is. I've been working on that cut <laughs> shot. I never hit this fairway. This fairway is the hardest shot on the on the tour to hit. I can't believe it. I've got it in the fairway. This is so good. This is impossible to fit this fairway. Well, you're waiting to hit, you know, that kind of move, that kind of move. Uh, speaking of caddies, what's, what's bullet up to? Bullet's working down at, uh, Shoal Creek in Alabama. Okay. I had gypsy Joe. I had Dave Rennick, who's dead now. He caddied for me when I won the PGA. He caddied for, you know, he won a bunch of majors with Jose and Maria and he won with VJ and Dave Rennick. 
And then Kaz, I had Kaz caddying for me, uh, who who leads the tour in sweating. You know, he sweats. He's. I had to tell him to keep three club lengths away from me, so because it, it was a casual water. Because he he has a beach towel around his neck. You know, he sweats so much. So, you know, I like to have the characters on on the bag. I think they should bring back smoking on the tour. You know, cigarettes out in the middle. All of the thing. for it. I'm a big Spencer Levine guy. Are you? Oh, I love Spencer Lee. Yeah, he's great. He's got yeah. the attitude, but he's just yeah. not a good player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's part of the deal. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's coming. Kind of, yeah, it stings, but yes. Yeah, I like him. I know yeah. him well. Yeah. One more question. Uh, your son Sam is here, and uh, how rewarding has that been for him to not only get into the game of golf, following your footsteps to Houston, and do you get more nervous with his play than you ever did with your own play? Well, I'd rather I'd rather him play good than me me play good. The tough thing, I go, I'll, I'll figure out what I want to work on with his swing, and I'll work on it for two hours on the range, and he'll come out to practice with me and say, ah, I don't want a lesson today, Dad. So <laughs> I'm just going to hit it myself. So, and, and going back to Houston, just this is, a, I meant to ask it earlier, but how did you end up at Houston? I know they had an awesome golf program, yeah, like that. But but what was the transition like from Wagga Wagga to Houston? Not good, <laughs> not good. I showed up there with a suitcase and a set of clubs. That was it. And uh, I was in Houston in a really unique time. Clyde Drexler and Akeem Olajuwon lived in our dorm, and, and Carl Lewis, the fastest human. And of course, I got I was a world junior champion in 1979. And that's where I got recruited from Coach Williams. And, and had you been to Houston before you showed only up? only to only to play that one event okay. uh, that I won in 1980, not not 79. And I, Billy Ray Brown and I were recruited by no other schools, and. Um, Turns out that we those us two together couldn't happen now in this environment. Um, but we finished up winning the three national championships together. Billy Ray and I, it was great. We used to let Clyde and Akeem come down our room and put out put our national championship rings on. Let them let them hang. <laughs> I had, I had a timer on them. Ten minutes. It's got to come off. Get it off. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Oh, oh, thanks gosh. so much for coming by, man. No worries. We, we were going to do an hour. We did more than that. So appreciate it. All right. Good. The Thank you so much. That might, that be, a, that might, be, a, might be a two two part. Might nah, be a two part podcast. Good for one. Is for it? One. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, Oak. Right up. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect 